Welcome to The Human Beat. I'm Roger Rocca. Many of us on the Lower Columbia have heard of the organization CREST and probably have some notion that it does something good for the environment. Today, we'll be talking about what that something is and how it relates to the local economy. Our guest is Denise Lofman, Executive Director of the Columbia River Estuary Study Task Force. I grew up with a dad who he loved to fish. Um, I, it, I find it a little funny. I, I grew up with a, a father who's in const- who was in construction and um, who was a very avid fisherman. And so I'd follow along um, behind him fishing um, the creeks of the Sierra Nevadas in California. And, um, and then when I moved on to college and, and graduate school, I didn't think I'd be working uh, in, in, more, in, in more scientific-based work, but I did my undergrad in Walla Walla, and then I ended up doing my master's degree at Johns Hopkins after doing a stint in the Peace Corps in the Philippines. And during my time in the Philippines, I realized what I really wanted to do was to work with communities at a really at a grassroots level to look at environmental issues and to find ways that we could solve environmental issues in a in a cooperative and a collaborative way that would help those communities in different ways you know in terms of whatever their issues were but we but thinking about it in terms of not just solving an environmental issue but bringing economic development to a region helping a community um, be more engaged, be more collaborative as a broader community, bringing different sectors together. And that's what I really wanted to do in my career. And I thought I wanted to do it internationally, which is why I went to Johns Hopkins. Um, and while I was there, I um, everyone was required to do international economics. And then I also majored in what was called at the time, social change and development which really looked at international development or development in the United States um, at a very grassroots collaborative level. It was why I chose to go there because it had this sense of really working in a community. Um, and after, after I finished grad school, I, I moved on to a, to a nonprofit that did a lot of work around renewable energy and the links between renewable energy and water. And then my first job in in watershed work in watershed restoration was uh, I became the Tillamook Bay Watershed Council coordinator. And I worked in down in Tillamook Bay doing the exact work I wanted to do, but looking at watershed restoration in, you know, in the five main rivers that that go into Tillamook Bay um, for eight years. And then in 2012, I was hired as the director of Crest. What is your your sort of short answer when somebody says meets you and says, "Oh, you're the executive director of Crest"? Uh, what is that, and what do you do? I would say, you, Crest is a council of governments, and we bring together the governments on you know on both sides of the river, uh, so both Oregon and Washington. And what we do is we assist those jurisdictions with land use planning. And then we also do 
quite a lot of work. I mean, the vast majority of our work is focused on habitat restoration, watershed restoration in the Columbia River estuary. But all of our work, you know, the very, very short answer is all of our work is focused on the Columbia River. It, it, it takes a lot, it can take a lot of different, um, you know, we can look at different aspects of that, but our focus is really on, on the health of the Columbia River estuary and, um, and on the way that we as human beings utilize the estuary um, and the landscape around it. Well, you mentioned earlier that your work deals with uh, the environment, with ecology, but also with how that ties into the economy. Yes. Uh, can you explain that a little further? Yes, I can. So <laughs> one of the great things about Oregon, I think, is you, we have what's called the Oregon Plan for Salmon and Watersheds, and it, and it was put together in the 90s. And, and then we have the Oregon Lottery, which provides funding to entities like Crest and Watershed Councils all across Oregon. And those funds come from Oregon lottery dollars and they flow through a state agency called the Oregon Watershed Enhancement Board. But if you think about this, what it's done is there's a stable source of funding that's flowing through the state that goes towards solving environmental issues specifically you know, for a long time around salmonids. What's that, what has that done? You know, what, so what does that have to do with economic development? It's created an entire sector of an economy, of Oregon's economy, that's focused on habitat restoration. You have engineering firms out there that the vast majority of their work is is looking at doing habitat restoration programs. You have construction companies that that may do other types of work, but they've also become um, really good at habitat restoration. You also have other construction companies that that's all they do is habitat restoration projects across this state. And I will tell you, because we utilize a lot of them in the work that we do, they are very, very busy, which means they have a lot of entities in that are, you know, like Crest or focused on this type of work who are hiring them. And so there's an entire sector of the economy that is that is bringing millions of dollars into lots of the rural areas of Oregon. Because if you think about the work that we do at Crest, particularly our habitat restoration work, we're bringing big construction equipment in, you know, to to restore wetlands, and often that means digging a lot of dirt. They're infrastructure projects. So that's money, that's money on the ground in rural, rural communities, rural economies, supporting local jobs, um, supporting local folks who, you know, who are raising their families here, who have their businesses here. We use local companies local to the coast. And sometimes when jobs are bigger, we will often use companies, you know, from the Portland metro area but they're still working here. Their employees are staying here while they're doing their, their jobs often. And so I just see all of this as an, it's not just the, the ecological side where there's a lift, there's also a, an economic lift that we bring um, as well. And it's not just Oregon, you work on both sides of the Columbia, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct, that's correct. 
what is what is the range of your of your involvement? I mean, what how long how long a stretch of the Columbia uh, uh, that you, do you work on? On the restoration side, we work from the mouth up to Portland, uh, Portland, Vancouver. We've and we've done work in the Portland and Vancouver metro areas on both sides of the river. We've done a lot of projects near Savi Island and on Savi Island. Um, and then some projects up on like Port of Vancouver land. Well, it seems fitting that you grew up fishing with your dad, since uh, at least a fair amount of the work that Crest does um, has to do with keeping, uh, getting water to move again the way it's supposed to move, uh, which benefits fish uh, and helps them survive and, and procreate and so on. Um, how, do, how do your projects come about? I mean, where does... Where does the idea come from that a particular place needs to have a, a project to restore, restore it to health? So it comes from, projects come from, they come to us in a number of different ways. We've done, because Crest is a local government, and so because as a council of governments, we're considered a local government, we are very adept at government to government relationships. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a fair number of governmental agencies who, who own a lot of land. For example, the Lewis and Clark National Historical Park, they own a lot of property, US, uh, US Fish and Wildlife Service, the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife. And so often we will work with them because they have management goals that are, they're looking for restoration work, but maybe they don't have the funds to do all the work that they want to do. So they'll come to us and we will bring additional funding to the project and help. And, and I see it as, as a win-win because they are able to restore their lands to, the, to, um, to a level that they're looking for. And Crest is also able to do to do projects and to bring funding to make those projects happen. I'll give you, you know, the National Historical Park is a great example because for them, they have a mandate to restore the ecological processes of their properties. But for the Lewis and Clark Historical Park, there's a second goal they want to meet, which is they want their visitors when they show up to see a landscape that is as similar to the landscape that Lewis and Clark experienced as possible. And, you know, so if you look back in the journals, they talk about our area being a, a, a muddy quagmire. And, you know, so, but if you look around, we have a lot of dikes and levees and we have a lot of farmland, but at the national park, they said, we want to drop some of these levees and we want to create we want to create wetlands. It will be good for juvenile salmonids and it will be good for our visitors in terms of exploring this landscape. And so sometimes what I say is crust creates muddy quagmires. I just, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. your, your work can be, um, I, I shouldn't say this is simple, but it can be as simple and easy to understand for, for the layman as taking a place where there's a narrow culvert that uh, crosses a road and replacing that with a, with, a, with a bridge or something much broader so that fish passage is actually possible so the fish can get up to where they need to spawn and so on. Um, 
and some of the projects I'm sure are very complicated and, and we can talk a little bit more about specific projects, but you mentioned bringing money to the projects. And that's, that's another question that uh, I think is, is interesting. Where does all the money come from? Uh, you mentioned some comes from the state through lottery funds and so on, but there's, there's much more than that comes from other sources, right? Yes, yes. So for Crest, our largest funder is the Bonneville Power Administration. And because of the impacts that the dams have on Salmonids, on the, the 13 endangered Salmon, thir threatened or endangered Salmonids in the, on the Columbia River, they, have, they are required to take actions to help mitigate those impacts. And one of the actions is to do habitat restoration in the estuary. And, and from Bonneville's perspective, the estuary is from Bonneville Dam to the mouth. We just work in a smaller subsection of that. Mm -hmm. And so we have a direct contract with Bonneville to do this work. And sometimes they will pay for an entire project. It depends, they go through, our, all of our projects for Bonneville go through a scientific review process and a cost benefit analysis, just to make sure that, they're, that, they, that they make sense for Bonneville to help pay for. Um, and so some of those projects are, they're like a slam dunk. And so they get full funding from Bonneville. Other projects are not as much of a slam dunk, but we still feel like they're really important. The property owners, um, whether it's an agency like I was just talking about, or if a private landowner comes to us and says, hey, you know, doing some restoration on my property really matches with my, my management goals for my land. I want you to help me out here. You know, we want to help them out. So we will go out and find funding from the state. We'll find other federal funding uh, because other federal agencies also provide fund grant funding for this work. And we'll just, we'll, you know, kind of cobble together different pieces of funding in order to make a project happen. And so there, and, and this happens both on the Washington and the Oregon sides of the river. Well, we live in an area where, you know, we still have a lot of natural environment left. And so it, it's a place where the, the things that you do to keep, keep pushing things back toward a natural direction really can have an, an impact. Crest isn't new either, is it? It's been around for a while. We, we're we're going to be uh, coming up on our, <laughs> I can't even believe it, our 50th anniversary. Um, we were formed in 1970, in 1976. So we're at year 45 and I, I remember when I was thinking, oh, well, we, it's our 40th anniversary, we should do something. And now all of a sudden we're at our, our 45th anniversary. And yes, so we've been around a long time and we've been doing the same type of work in different ways um, for the entire time that, that, we've, that we've been around. And we've mentioned fish, but it's not just fish that benefit. You know, we talked about the economy and we talked about fish, but really other kinds of animals and birds and plants all sort of benefit from the work that you're doing. Yes, because what we're, what the way that we structure our projects is we think about them as multi-species projects. So the funding flows because of the fish impacts. But when you're thinking as, you know, as an ecologist or as an, a, bio, a biologist in designing these projects, you, you know, you, 
we can look at a project and say, yes, we're doing this work in order to open up more habitat for juvenile salmonids. That's what our projects do. However, there's projects where there may be a lot of amphibians or we may have large turtle populations or we may be interested in figuring out how to, like how much dirt do we need to move in order to create this wetland and to take the, there's, a, there's often native seed banks for native plants resting uh, a few feet, one, two, three, four feet below uh, the pat say a pasture, and if you can if you can dial in how much dirt you take out, those native seeds will the plants will come back. We also we also go in and and remove invasive species and plant new plants. And so our goal is to not just think about these projects as projects for juvenile salmonids, but to think about them. What and because the other thing I'll say, Roger, is we don't want to have to go back and do a lot of maintenance in these locations. That's that's money that could be spent continuing to restore in other locations rather than having to go in and and keep something moving in it. And sometimes you have to do that. But we really try to design our projects so that the natural biological processes of nature in that location will take over and and that project it like it has its own self maintenance going on over time and so what we've learned over time is when you're thinking about doing a project where do you want your elevations what kind of plants do you want how are you going to hit that natural seed bank what do you need to do in order to make sure the turtles have logs they can rest on in the sun, you know, how do you think about what do you do for the amphibians that use the site? What about lamprey? Um, you know, all these other uh, species become wrapped up in the project. And so it becomes much more of a holistic vision than sure, it definitely is benefiting juvenile salmonids, but having a more holistic vision, I think, assists nature in kind of continuing to move forward and functioning appropriately in these sites where we're able to do our work. Well, I think we're talking now about what it is that Crest brings to the party in that uh, you have and your staff has the scientific expertise to be able to look at an issue and plan the solution to that issue and then oversee the, the, the development of that of that plan, you, you, you contract with, with others to actually do the work, like contractors and so on, to do some of the work, correct? And you provide the, the expertise, the planning, and the over, oversight? Is that, that, is that fair? That's correct, yes. So we, we hire engineering firms to engineer the projects. Uh, like you mentioned, like say uh, culvert removal, we've done a couple on um, State Route 401 over in Washington. Mm -hmm. We certainly don't have the capacity to do the engineering for a project that would be that complicated. So we hire engineering firms who bring their expertise for that. But we direct the project and our, and our project managers, um, they have a lot of experience in doing this work. They're, they're the work is highly technical. And so figuring out, you know, what a project should look like, being able to look at plans that an engineering firm puts together and saying, these pieces make sense, these pieces need more work. 
um, and then also overseeing the construction. And we do not do the construction in-house. All of, like the engineering, all of the construction is um, contracted to outside uh, contracting firms, construction firms. Well, you mentioned uh, Fort Clansop as an example of one place uh, you worked. Can you give some other examples of recent projects? I know the board, oh, by the way, I should ask you how the how Crest is governed. Uh, you have a board of directors, right? That I happen you to do. sit on. <laughs> you do, you do. So Crest, as I've mentioned, Crest is a council of governments. And so the, the, the governments that are members of Crest are our board of directors and, and every, jurisdiction that is a member of Crest sends one representative to our Crest Council. And so those folks, we meet quarterly and those folks provide oversight for the organization and um, ask good questions and and give a, and sometimes give us some direction around things they want to, want to see happen. And, um, and it's great because one of the great things I think about the Crest Council our board of directors is that it it pulls from jurisdictions in both Oregon and Washington, and there's I think sometimes you know folks who are working in a, like say a single in their city or in their county, they're not necessarily plugged in to the cities or the counties even right around them, but certainly not right across the river. And so one of the things that the crust council is able to do is bring together folks who you know who are all parts of local jurisdictions um, and bringing them together so they're they're able to also share about what's going on in their own communities um, and so I think it, it's great because they provide direction for Crest but it also is a place where there's the ability for collaboration and communication from uh, four jurisdictions from across the river and neighbors to each other and things and things like that. Well, you use a number of tools in uh, in uh, in your project, and one of them um, is a drone. And as a board member, we got to see some wonderful um, uh, drone footage of projects that Crest has is working on or has completed. And they're great because you can see the before and after and see the effects uh, that a project is having. So that's part of your your mix too. You have you have a drone. You have somebody to operate the drone and. And you have a staff that has the expertise to pull all these things together. Yes, we have a chief pilot. Uh, he basically had to go through like a the equivalent of flight school for a drone. Uh, people may not know this, but if, if you're flying a drone as either a governmental entity, and I believe now even as a like a private company, you're required to have a person who has passed that the pilot's license and received a, a pilot's license through the FAA. They have to take the regular pilot's license uh, exam in order to become a chief pilot. And for Crest, we couldn't fly a drone. Our, our insurance wouldn't let us and it wouldn't be legal without a chief pilot who has his pilot's license. Um, and so yes, their Crest staff bring incredible expertise to their work. Um, you know, the drone is is one example. We utilize some very high-tech uh, surveying uh, equipment that has taken some time to learn um, because of the way, if you think about building any building, you need to have good survey equipment and good, you know, 
surveying points. Our work is no different. Um, we have folks who have a lot of experience around wetlands and wetland delineation. We have people who have a lot of experience in moving through federal and state permitting processes, which can be highly technical. Um, and so we bring, uh, people probably don't understand the amount of technical expertise that is housed in our small office in Astoria. It's, it is, when I think about when I think about the type of work that Crest employees have to do and how it's evolved over time into more and more technical work, um, I'm just really, I'm, I'm really proud of them. Um, and I'm really proud of the work that we're doing. And I'm, sometimes I'm just, blown, when I think about, I've just blown away. You know, we're, you know, our project managers are overseeing uh, million dollar projects you know, replacing a small, you know, four foot culvert with a, with a 20 foot box culvert over a state highway. Yeah. And we're a small 10 person staff, you know, in a little office in Astoria, you know? I, I think that's a fun part of the story that maybe doesn't get told that often. I, I, I hope we can get to the point uh, where, you know, that wonderful presentation and drone footage that we got to see as a board can be online so anybody can just look at it because I think people would be fascinated by it. It's just, it's really interesting to see what is being done. And that probably is better than any number of words in describing a, a project that, uh, that Crest is working on. So hopefully that's in the near future. What have I forgotten to ask you? Well, I will say since, since you, you were talking about that, that presentation, uh, Chair Quayla, from the Clatsop County Board of Commissioners has invited us to come and present uh, Tom Josephson, our Habitat Restoration Program Manager, who gave that presentation for our board, uh, is going to do the exact same presentation for the Clatsop County Commission on September 15th at their 10 o'clock meeting. So if anyone's available and interested, I don't know if it will be recorded, um, but, but that presentation is is going to to be publicized there, um, and we sh you're right. We should take a look and see if maybe we could get it up on the website, I, uh, or at least some of the drone footage. I yeah, think I think truly fascinating. So, what have I forgotten to ask you? A couple of things that I think I would add is, you know, part of the reason our work is 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 important is because we've we've diked and levied somewhere between 70 and 80% of the estuary. And, you know, and so there's, there's a real need, you know, folks may be like, oh, well, that's nice that they're doing this, but, you know, we seem to be trucking along okay. But when you think about the fact that, you know, 70 to 80% of the habitat that used to be available to, to salmonids and, and, and other animals um, is gone, then I think it makes, it makes the work that we do you know, it puts it in a better perspective of, of just how important it is in terms of, of, of our landscape. Um, and so I, I think, I think that's, that would be one point I'd want to add. And uh, yeah, I think that would be, that would be the other point I'd want to add. Well, thank you. And uh, we have been talking with Denise Lofman, who is the executive director of the Columbia River Estuary Study Task Force, or CREST. Thanks, Denise. 
Thank you, Roger. This is The Human Beat. I'm Roger Haraka. Thanks for joining us.